to The Friday Habit with Mark Labriola and Benjamin Manley. The Friday Habit is for small business owners, freelancers, and creatives who are ready to take their business to the next level. Join us as we discover how to apply the strategies we learn to grow our businesses, make more money, and live every day like it's Friday. Welcome to the Friday Habit, another Friday, it's or Wednesday, on. or Tuesday, yeah. or whatever day you're listening to this podcast. Could be any day. But you should be living that day, whatever day you're in, like it's Friday. That's right. Yeah. Hey, Ben, how's it going? Man, it's going good. I'm glad we're not on video. I was just commenting on how my recording studio setup has degraded over time, and mm-hmm. now I just have a black curtains hanging in the basement behind me that looks like a wrinkled trash bag. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's good that we're audio only today. <laughs> yeah. We'll get you there, dude. We'll get you there. <laughs> well, hey, I want to welcome Dan Templin to the podcast. Uh, we're excited to have him on the show today. Uh, he's a real estate investor and real estate coach, uh, and he's one of the most experienced uh, in the industry. So, Dan, welcome to the Friday Habit. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because I feel like people always say that the best way to grow your wealth is through property and real estate. And so I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs I know and even people who have side hustles and uh, are trying to grow their own business also maybe own some real estate as well. And so I thought, hey, you know, this might be a good conversation to have to talk about, you know, growing growing your, your uh, net worth and potentially even a legacy of, of wealth that you can kind of leave to to the people, kids and grandkids and things like that. And so, yeah, I thought it would be great to have you on. And, and uh, obviously, you're an expert in the field. So I would love to just hear a little bit about your story, you know, your journey into real estate, as well as, you know, kind of where, where you are now and and what are the things that you're you're preaching to everybody out there. So, so start us off in the beginning. Like, you know, you're some... Ivy League kid who had a silver spoon and everyone was just giving you properties to invest so that when you turned 18, you could inherit the trust. And then, you know, <laughs> you nailed it right on the head. <laughs> uh, All right. No, next question. That is, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that is not what happened. My wife and I uh, met in college and we got started in real estate by buying a foreclosure. It was mm. It was actually a short sale, and we got it for ten thousand dollars, I think. And wow. we went in and spent probably nine months gutting it and totally remodeling it with the help of my father-in-law and my dad and uh, just friends. And we did that while we both were working, and she was still going to college. And day after she graduated, we actually got the keys to our first business. And the way that we bought that business was by selling the house. We bought it for the 15 put like 15 into the renovation and we made like $50,000. And wow. so we were able to put a down payment on a land contract on a a dive bar and then we went into re- completely remodeling that for 9 months and then you were like the original Chip and Joanne Gaines. Right. There you go. Not <laughs> so quite I, as famous I, though. I got a question for you though. So you guys are young in college for closure did, did one of your parents say, hey, this is an awesome opportunity that you could potentially 
get this property? Did you buy it because you wanted to get into investing or because you wanted like a startup home or like, what was your thoughts behind that? So I graduated three years ahead of my wife and we actually met because I was the general manager at a men's clothing store called Joseph A. Bank. Yeah. And she was one of my employees. Oh, so, (laughs) um, and how we ended up finding that house is when she was younger, she actually babysat for the number one um, short sale realtor in the state of Michigan. Okay. He sold, man, I think he, his biggest year, he did more than one side per day. So he did like 380 transactions in wow. one year. Yeah. Wow. So he was an expert and he was keeping an eye out because he knew that we were in the market for a house and he basically when something popped up that would fit, you know, he thought would be a good deal for us. He led the way on that. And then my family has also invested in real estate from the time I was young. They were land developers. They built a golf course and that actually fell through like five years before that. And so I've been on all the cycles of the real estate, you know, um, yeah, seeing my parents build lows. it up and then seeing, you know, <laughs> when the recession hit, that really mm. hit them hard because they held a lot of property. And so I was definitely had experience with real estate, but I definitely didn't have a silver spoon in hand. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So then so you were kind of around it and saw the the ups and downs and the pluses and minuses of it. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like it's one of those things where you're obviously going to have some downsides when it comes to the real estate and mm-hmm. it's not going to always go up. But if you do look at a, a like a, a long-term graph, right? Real estate seems to always trend in a positive Absolutely. You know, direction. 100%. It's a long-term game. And yeah, it's what I always teach people is, yeah, you can make a lot of money through real estate, but what you really need is steady, dependable income. And once you have that and you have excess income, that's when you should start looking into real estate. If you don't have any money, you should not be looking at getting into real estate. Right. Yeah. So it's like first build your nest egg and then get into real estate. 100%. Yeah. Because there's, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if the economy is going to collapse. You don't know if your first tenant isn't going to pay the first six months of rent and you got to go through your first eviction. And next thing you know, you've had, you know, $10,000 in mortgage payments come out with no money coming in. So you can definitely get yourself into trouble if you don't have the reserves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that totally makes sense. So then when you guys, so I wanted to just talk a little bit about, so when you guys, you know, you were young, you and your wife were young, she was still in college, you know, was the idea to take this place? Did you ever live in that place that you fixed up or did did you? Yeah, we did. And actually the, so we decided that we wanted to start our own business. And the reason for that being, is we were looking at our future. And I was a retail general manager, so nights, weekends, long hours. And she was getting her degree in education. Yeah, a lot of Fridays. And not the good type of Fridays. (laughs) Black Fridays. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But she was getting her degree to be a teacher. And so our schedules wouldn't line up at all. We would never really see each other. And Mm. we knew that we'd be very limited income wise and if we followed that path. And so that's the reason that we sold it and we bought a dive bar and gutted that. And we grew that from the first year that 
the year we bought it, the year before it did like $110,000 a year, which is like nothing. And we grew that to doing over a million dollars a year. And once we kind of stabilized that, then we took, you know, the extra money and we're like, well, how did we get started in business? And it's because we invested in real estate and we're like, let's put money into real estate and start really focusing on that. So nice. So, so that's interesting. So did you do a lot of research about like what kind of business to get in? So you're, you're working a retail job, your, your wife's going to school to be a teacher. Like when you decided, okay, I want to go into business for myself. Did you start doing research about, okay, what businesses have the best, you know, profit margins, what businesses, you know, can you do by yourself? Or like what, what kind of research did you do during that time of deciding what you were going to do as your own business? So the research that we did was almost zero. And I feel like that was actually a huge mistake. I mean, we're young, right? And right, yeah. Who, do, who doesn't want to own a bar, right? Yeah, you're like, I've seen Cheers, yeah. you know? Like, right, yeah. <laughs> we can make this but, work. <laughs> so in the restaurant industry, almost all restaurants fail. It's a huge failure rate. And there's reasons mm-hmm. for that. The hours are absolutely insane. And our first... Mm-hmm. Man, our first five years, I was probably working 80, 90 hours a week and super late hours. You know, you're open at 11 a.m. for lunch and you don't close until 1 a.m., 2 a.m. on the weekend. Um, and there's prep and clean and all that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you have a lot of employees and you have a lot of responsibilities and it's just a lot of stress. And it's not a very family friendly. If you Once we started having kids is when we're like, OK, we need to figure out a way, you know, get a general manager in place. And we have a general manager now who's amazing, does a great job. But the the margins in a restaurant are very small. If you're doing a really, really great job and you have someone that is kind of running the ship for you, general manager, you can expect between like 7 and 11% of revenue. And Oof. so that is very, very low compared to other industries. It's just because there's right. so much, there's so much pressure from local competition. You can only charge so much for a beer. You have very, um, food costs keep going up and there's a lot of industries, you know, now that we have multiple businesses and we've been in business for 10 plus years, um, like laundromats, they're very capital intensive to start, but they have a much higher margin. And that's something that we, um, actually bought into a franchise system for laundromats. So, yeah. Is it tied? No, it's called Wave Max. <laughs> oh, okay, nice. No. I've been seeing in my around my area there's like these tide laundromats, but the you know, the brand I know exactly and I'm like what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm like, what's going on here? Did like the laundry sub company like start opening their own laundromats or are they just licensing their name? I believe they're licensing it out through a franchise agreement. I'm not hundred percent sure on that. I've I've heard them talked about in the the Wave Max culture, but I don't know hundred percent sure how it's set up. So then, okay, so then you started the dive bar, you were working around the clock and not family friendly. So you're like, okay, we need to start another business. Where did this business drive come from as far as like wanting to do your own business, start your own business and then run multiple businesses? So I grew up with my parents always having their own businesses and my grandfather had his own businesses and So that's my dad's dad and my mother's dad had his own businesses as well. Um, So 
it, it was never anything on a huge scale or anything like that, but they were always, you know, working for themselves. And so that's what I grew up in. And my wife grew up in a household of the exact opposite. And so in the beginning, it was very scary for my wife because it is scary to be on right. your own and not have a yeah. guaranteed paycheck. And especially if that's how you grew up, you know, you go, you get a job, you work your hours, you put a portion of it into a 401k, you take the weekends off that, you know, standard what people do and going against the grain is definitely can be scary for someone. Yeah. But, you know, uh, with great risk comes great reward potentially. Ab- so Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, so, so you're doing the restaurant thing and then now do you still have the restaurant? We do. Right. Yep. We still do oh, okay. have the restaurant awesome. to this so, day. So, so you're like collecting businesses. <laughs> Basically is what it feels like <laughs> at this point. Um, we, we really focus on building systems and using those systems to be able to scale. And they're, like, you don't necessarily have to build them yourself, right? So that's why I was highly interested in laundromats. And I decided to go into a franchise system because they already have the systems mm-hmm. built out. I don't need to figure that out from scratch. Another good example is at the restaurant, there is a company called Restaurant Systems Pro. And basically all you have to do is upload all of your expenses and they can do that manually. They actually do it for you. But And they tell you your exact labor cost. They tell your exact food cost, your exact waste cost. And you can see exactly how your business is doing because a lot of the mistakes that I see a lot of small business owners make is that they just kind of lead by their gut and they aren't tracking, you know, and optimizing those numbers. And so I'm a huge believer in that for sure. As you're um, getting into multiple different businesses, do you feel like there's a point at which you're like, okay, we have too many and you need to hire somebody to help you manage the businesses themselves? You know what I mean? Like an executive assistant or something like that? Or do you feel like that's a long ways away? So... I, I don't know if you know who Dan Martell is, but he is pretty big in the social media world. And that's something that he really preaches is to be able to scale. The first thing that you should do is get an executive assistant. And I've been researching that a lot more um, so that you take all the, you know, the $3 an hour, the $5 an hour, $10 an hour tasks, and you just hand those off and you give control of your calendar to somebody else. And I do have um, some virtual assistants that help with, you know, podcasting and that type of stuff. But I've never went to the extreme of like literally taking the chunk of my day and handing it off to someone else. And that I think is a learning curve that, you know, if I knew what I knew now 10 years ago, I probably would have installed that before I installed other people into our businesses. So, yeah, for sure. And, and with the restaurant, did you feel like, like how did you, you said with the profit margins are so low and, and whatnot, but did you feel that you, you'd gotten to a place where you had enough savings or whatever to jump off and do the next business? And then did you feel like real estate? Cause you, you said you went from the restaurant then to start, start doing real estate, yes, right? Yep, absolutely. And so once we had enough money saved up for our first investment property, we teamed up with my business partner and we bought a fiveplex. And that was a great investment. We still have that unit today. Um, and 
I started thinking like, man, I just need more money. I need more money. How am I going to you know, make more money so I can buy more property? Because buying properties becomes an addiction once you start buying properties. And the problem is always having enough capital to do so. And so I started researching, you know, how can I do other forms of real estate with no money down, which is super popular today. You know, there's Pace Morby mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of people out there that are doing creative finance and all that. And what I stumbled across was rental arbitrage, which is very popular for people getting started in Airbnbs without any money down. I don't know if you guys are familiar with rental arbitrage. I only just heard of it because I saw your YouTube channel and there's a video called rental arbitrage. So there you go. <laughs> I heard of it about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. When I, when I had our place up for, we have a, a rental property and when we had our place up for rent, I got so many emails from like, Oh, there's a big, you know, company and they'll pay for you to do the thing. And then we'll mm-hmm. take care of all yeah. the, you know, right. Yeah. The headache and stuff. So that, so we did get started in Airbnbs by doing rental arbitrage. And for students that, you know, only have maybe five, $7,000 saved up, that's what I recommend they do to get their first start. You basically go in, you rent somebody's apartment, you let them know before, obviously, you sign anything. We teach be super upfront because most leases have, you can't do commercial activity, you can't lease it out to somebody else, can't sublease it. So you have to find a landlord who's willing to let you do this. And you basically say, I'll pay your market rent. I will fix anything that breaks below, say, $300. I will have the property professionally cleaned multiple times a week. I'll set up automatic direct deposit in your bank account. And the goal is to be the best tenant that that landlord has ever had. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to accomplish. If you're used to being a landlord at all, you know that there's a lot of headaches that come with being a landlord. And yeah. So a person can literally start an Airbnb just by renting an apartment, like we were saying Mm -hmm. earlier. And that's a great way to get started because you begin to build cash flow. You don't build equity. You don't get all the tax savings, but you do start to get cash flow. And we actually, the property that we started with Airbnb, within, it was like 18 months, we were able to buy that property from the landlord, from having the rental income, Wow. And enough cash saved up. So, yeah. That's pretty awesome. And so then is that kind of one of the main things that you do now? Or are you still buying traditional properties and renting so, them or fixing them up and flipping them? We have a total right now of seven Airbnbs. All of them are owned. We don't have any rental arbitrages anymore. I really love appreciation. That's And I love yeah. doing cost segregation studies on buildings and getting massive tax write-offs. And you can't do that with rental arbitrage. But along with the seven Airbnbs, we also have commercial space with office space down below and rentals above. We have a fiveplex, we have a duplex, and three single-family long-term rentals right now. Wow. And, I mean, like you said earlier, it sounds like an addiction. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Zillow gets the... the uh, the majority of attention on the apps on my phone. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're constantly looking for a good deal. Now, do you mostly buy and, and do business in your area? Like where, where you do, live? Yeah. Or, or do you, you know, I've heard of some people like, oh, we're buying properties in Florida and they live in Ohio or something like that, you know? And- right. And a lot of people do do remote investing. And for me personally, I think that it's easier to keep an eye on your investment and it's easier to manage if it's local to you. Um, 
I've heard of people having great success in doing it um, remotely. And it'd be a necessity, you know, if you lived in New York City and you only had $50,000, you're not going to buy much in New York City with 50 grand, right? So right. I think that a lot of people think, you know, I can't start an Airbnb where I live because I'm not in a vacation spot. And that's something that I always really focus on with students is Airbnb is actually more of a more for travelers and less for vacationers, even though everyone mm-hmm. in their head thinks that it's for vacationers. If right. there's hotels in your area, people travel in your area and people will book Airbnbs in your area for sure. Hmm. And then, so then there's obviously more of a premium that comes along with an Airbnb. Like if you're renting an Airbnb via a week opposed to a rental property, you might get the same amount in a week that you would in a month from a renter. hundred percent. Yep. And so, and so, so the kind of new big thing that we rolled out actually just two weeks ago is a system called Plex hacking that we put together and Plex hacking is where Fannie Mae just change the down payment requirements for small multifamily homes. It used to be if you bought a fourplex, you had to put 25% down. If you bought a threeplex, you had to put 20% down. They just changed that to 5%. Oh, wow. So now, yeah, it's a, if you bought a million dollar property before a fourplex, it would have cost you 250000 out of pocket just for the down payment. Now it's 50000 So what we're teaching people now and we've actually done this with one of our duplexes, is you live in one of the apartments for a year, rent the other one out. If it's a duplex, minimum, you're going to be living for free. But if it's a threeplex or a fourplex, you're going to be cash flow positive if you put those other units on Airbnb. And then after the year, you can move out, you can do it again, you can get up to 10 of those loans. And so it's a super fast way Hmm. for people with not a lot of cash to start building equity replace their W-2 income and literally build a real estate empire with very little money out of pocket. We've never had an opportunity like that. And that's a huge change that a lot of people aren't talking about. And then what, what continues to push you to, to move into different industries? Like you said, the laundromat. So it's like, you got the restaurant, you got the Airbnbs, the rental properties, and now you're moving into, to laundromats. Like, like what, what drives you to keep keep doing that, you know, and, and going the, I think the diversification plus it's, it's kind of fun to figure out a new business, stabilize it, you know, do well at it and then keep moving along. So the, it's a challenge, right? And learning a new, you can take all of your skills and you can transfer those to different industries, but they always don't relate perfectly. Mm-hmm. And when you move into a new space, you learn new things, you meet new people. And, you know, like you were saying, sometimes real estate dips. Well, when the economy goes down, laundromats actually do better because of the clientele that use laundromats. And so having a well-balanced portfolio and multiple sources of income is something that I take very seriously. Hmm. This kind of for stability when things shift, then you're like, okay, this goes up, this goes down and it evens out over time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that you, when you go into like, for example, the laundromat, do you find yourself learning anything from that business that you're like, you know what, I should apply this back to my, to my restaurant or to rental properties? 
So the laundromat we haven't built out yet. We're okay, in the franchise gotcha. system, but we haven't. So I haven't learned, you know, the hands-on experience in that yet. But 100% I have with like running the coaching that we do. Mm-hmm. The the skills that I learned from running the restaurant with all the employees that we had over the years, all the customer um, service that we did definitely built up my skill set to where I was like, I could understand what needed to be done and I could do it, you know? All right, we're going to pause this conversation here. Uh, Go to thefridayhabit.com. There you can find show notes for this episode. Uh, There you can also find links to our websites and ways to get in touch. At the bottom of the page, you can download our guide to the Friday Habit System that will show you how to set aside one full day each week dedicated to working on your business instead of in your business. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear next week's episode, subscribe so you get notified. Uh, Also, leave us a review in Apple Podcast app uh, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to potentially be on one of our episodes uh, with a question you ask us, Go ahead and record a quick message in your phone, voice memo, and email it to hello at the Friday Habit.com. Until next time, live every day like it's Friday. <laughs>